Hey, we are, um, we, are, we are unwrapping Christmas, you guys, right now. We're unwrapping Christmas. What we want to talk about is we want to talk about this greatest gift, the greatest gift that's ever been given, the gift of Jesus Christ in our life, that God decided he loved us that much that he would send his son and give us his son to live and to die and to rise from the dead. He was gonna, he's given that to us. And so we're talking about the greatest gift ever given. But if you really think about it, if you think about it in your own life, is it really the greatest gift? Do you think about it like this is truly the greatest gift you've ever received? Do you think about it that way? Like when I watch television and I, and I see the Lexus commercial and all the family runs downstairs and they get down and they look at their nice presents and then a dad looks out the window and sees a nice white Lexus with a red bow on top, that's a pretty good gift. That's a gift that I would take. If you guys wanted to give that to me, I'd love that gift tomorrow morning. The kids can open presents, I'll drive that brand new Lexus. That's a great gift. A couple of years ago, my wife and I went to, I surprised my wife on her birthday by giving her a trip to New York. And, and, and she didn't know where we were going. We went to the airport. We get right up to the gate. And she goes, are we going to New York? And I said, yeah, we're going to New York. And here's some tickets to Les Mis. We're going to watch Les Mis on Broadway. And, and so I gave her that. And then when we got to New York, we're on the Staten Island Ferry. And we're, dri- we're riding across there. And we're looking at the Statue of Liberty. And Jackie turns to me and she goes, this is the greatest gift I've ever received. And I'm going, that's right, it is. For the only time in my marriage, I actually did it right on one birthday in 24 years, and it is a great gift. That's a great gift. Is this really the greatest gift you've ever received, if you're being really honest? Because I think if we're being honest with ourselves, we might say that this is more like opening a pair of socks on Christmas, or opening a pair of underwear on Christmas, where you go, yeah, I needed it. That's great. I needed it. And now can we move on to the other gifts? Come on, if you think about it, we might say it here in church today, great gift. And tomorrow we might just go, ah, it's all right. But this is the stuff I really like. This is the stuff I really want. You know, it's funny, when my, when my son was about 10 years old, my, my wife, uh, Jackie, wrapped a present for him and he opened it and it was this t-shirt and the t-shirt said, first down, okay? He was a football player. And, and so it, at about 10, 11, I mean, he was, it might have been like right when he first got into middle school. He got this t-shirt that says first down on it, okay? And so Jack opens it, and the first thing he does is he takes it, and he lifts it up over his face like this, and he goes, first down. And he thought he was like, like hiding his kind of almost disappointment for the shirt. He was, thought he was hiding his, his reaction, but we all knew. We all knew when he opened this up and, and, and he looked at it, he goes, first down. He's really saying to Jackie, do you really want me to wear that to school? He's saying that to her. He's, he's saying to her, is, is that, is, do I have to? That's what he's, he's saying to her, this isn't exactly what I was expecting when I opened it. He's saying to her, and really what's funny is, is in, our, in our family now, anytime we open a gift that we don't really like, anytime we open a gift that we're a little disappointed with, we always say, first down, all right, first down. And first down just means, did you save the receipt? Did you save the receipt? 
first down. Okay. I told the kids yesterday, I was preparing them for tomorrow. I said, you guys, there's going to be a lot of first downs tomorrow. So just be ready, you know, because Jackie and I might have missed on a lot of the clothing. So when, when Abby, my high schooler, opens up a sweater, that she's going, oh my gosh, that's just first down. First down. Let's return it and get something that you want. Okay. Sometimes for us, we will approach this great gift and look at it like it's first down. We'll open this great gift and we'll kind of hide the way we are responding, hoping that maybe God won't notice, and we'll go, first down, all right, it's enough, it'll get me through, it, it'll, it, it's, a, it's something, but it's not exactly what I wanted. Are we missing something? Are we missing something with this story? I think that we're, we, we've got to be missing something. Now tell me this. If I told you that this gift would actually meet your greatest longings, the things that you are wanting the most in your life, if this gift actually met your greatest longings, then would we open it up and have a little bit different perspective about it? Then would we have a little bit more excitement around opening up and going, wow, this truly is a great gift. What if it met our greatest longings that we have in our life? I was working out a few weeks ago, and I was watching Collateral Beauty, this movie that, was, that, that came out recently, and, a guy, and, and Will Smith is, one, is, is an actor in it, and, and, and he's, a, he's an advertising specialist, and he's talking to a bunch of marketing people, and he's saying, look, we have to know why we do what we do, and he says, and we have to know what we're trying to do, and we have to know what people are longing for, and why our product is actually going to help those people. That's what we, that's what we need to do as advertising people. And, you know, as he, as he explained it, I thought to myself, you know, every once in a while Hollywood gets it, and this one I think they got. Watch what Will Smith says here. What is your why? Why did you even get out of the bed this morning? Why did you eat what you ate? Why did you wear what you wore? Why did you come here? We are here to connect. Life is about people. Advertising is about illuminating how our products and services will improve people's lives. Now, how do we do that? Love, time, death. Now these three abstractions connect every single human being on earth. Everything that we covet, everything that we fear not having, everything that we ultimately end up buying is because at the end of the day, we long for love, we wish we had more time, and we fear death. Love, time, death. Man, you guys, there's something about that that's pretty real. There's something about that for each one of us, no matter if you're a churchgoer or not, or whatever your background is or not. I think every one of us longs for love and to be loved. Every one of us wishes we had more time, and every one of us fears death. That's, a pre that's pretty standard. I think that's for every one of us have those longings. Now, what if this greatest gift actually spoke to those things? And not only spoke to them, but covered those things. See, I believe it does. I believe it covers love, and it covers time, and it covers death. 
but we're just, we, we're just not seeing it. We're not seeing it as much as I think maybe we could, and maybe it would change our approach to this great gift. I not only think that this gift does cover it, but I think actually that the birth of Jesus and Jesus coming into this world and even that part of our story, that part actually covers those things. And what we want to do this afternoon is take a little bit of a closer look at the story. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. We're going to read from, Luke was one of the people that set out and wrote down the things that he saw in what was happening with the, with the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so we're going to read from Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at that story and then we're going to spend a little bit more time figuring this thing out a little bit more. What's this mean for us? And is this meeting our deepest longings? So let's pray together and we'll read the story. Father, we thank you for this chance to be together today. We thank you that in the midst of all the stuff that's going on and the the chaos and the hectic stuff and the great and the hard and the sad and all the feeling and emotion that comes around Christmas, we thank you you give us this moment right here to speak to us. And we pray that each one of us would clear out enough for our hearts to be open to hearing you, hearing your word, hearing what you have for us. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us will have taken a step closer to you as a result of it. So be with us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, this is Maurice and Aisha. Maurice is our, is our high school pastor here, and Aisha is Maurice's wife, and Aisha speaks a lot up here in front, and the people that come to Ascent regularly, they see Aisha, and they wish that she was speaking more than me or Jim, and so there's a part of me that wants to just show her my notes and say, go for it right here, but we're just going to have her read the, the passage today, so you guys go ahead and read the story. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered, This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in a manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Thanks, you guys. You know what's interesting about that story, and, and, and uh, for me personally, 
is I, have never, I, I had never let it sink in. I had heard that story since I was a little kid. I, I, I grew up in a, in a strong Catholic family, and we went to church every single Sunday, went to Mass, went to Midnight Mass every Christmas, and uh, I was an altar boy. My twin brother and I were altar boys, and my older brother was an altar boy that sat on the other side of, of, of Father Daniker in the middle, and, and so it was the cute little Stevens boys up there together, you know, uh, in their little white robes, and we'd listen to the story. And every year I'd hear it, and all it was was a footnote to Christmas, all it was was something that I had to hear until I could go home at like 1.30 in the morning, go to sleep for about two and a half hours, wake up, wake up my parents, and it's time to start unwrapping presents. That's the, that, that was, it was the footnote to Christmas. That's all it was. And even after I got to college, and in college I got involved in a college ministry, and, and, uh, and I started to, to learn more about who Jesus Christ was in my life, even then when it would come back to this story, it still was just this story, this story that you just listen to, and it's cute, and I kind of got it. I kind of got that, yeah, Jesus was born, and yeah, that's the Son of God, but it all kind of just rested on the surface, it was like that and it stayed that way until the summer of 1995. Because in the summer of 95, that's when uh, Jackie and I are living in the, the, in the inner city of Seattle in a little, high, little apartment in inner city of Seattle. And that's when Jackie uh, started getting contractions for our first child. And, and you know, I, she's... she's feeling that and she's at the nine month mark and she's going okay I think it's time I load her into the car and we speed all the way to the hospital we didn't have to it was she was she wasn't born for like 17 more hours but I just saw it on tv that you're supposed to race to the hospital and so I raced to the hospital it's like that was come on this is what we've been waiting for so we so we raced to the hospital we sat around there I sat around there she was having contractions all day and then eventually she has this little baby and then she falls asleep in her hospital room, and there's a point, and I'll never forget this, there's a point where I'm standing there in this hospital room on June 27th of 1995, and I'm standing there holding this little baby in my hands, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this just got real. This just got real. Now, now, if Jackie was awake and knew my thoughts, she'd say, oh, Bill, this has been real for a while. She'd say, this was real at two months when I was throwing up every day. This was real when I was at six months and I was just getting bigger and bigger. This was real when I had to wear all of that, those maternity clothes, which weren't cute like they are now. Maternity clothes like 20 years ago were big, just big. That's all they were. Now they make them all nice and cute and it's, you take pictures. You know, back then there wasn't a mom that wanted her picture taken at seven months, okay? And so, so that, it was real already. She was right. It was real. It was already real. But for me as a dad, this moment, this moment, holding this baby, this became real. This is where I'm holding this baby, and first, I'm afraid of even holding it. I'm afraid I'm going to break it. I'm afraid I'm going to drop it. I'm going to accidentally step on it. I'm afraid of that whole neck thing, you know, where you have to hold support the neck. I mean, I, I, was, I was always afraid that I'd be the first dad to let the neck just drop and the head would just fall right off. You know, I was afraid that that would be me. I'd be the first one. And so I'm, I'm holding this baby and I'm going, I don't even know how to hold a baby. I'm scared to even hold the baby. This was real. It was real. This baby would cry and I would have to, to comfort this baby. 
It was real. This baby would, I'm sorry, but this baby would poop, and it would poop that ugly tar poop that babies first come out with. And you just go, where'd that come from? I don't know. But you got, you got to, it was real. All of it was real in that moment. I was overwhelmed. I was scared. It was, it was this, I'm looking at my little daughter, and I'm going, oh my gosh, is this really happening? Did this really happen? At the same time, though, that it felt real, it also felt intimate. Then in this moment, I'm looking at this little baby and I'm thinking, this baby is going to call me dad. It's going to call me dada to begin with, then it's going to call me dad. And it might, if I'm lucky, every once in a while even call me daddy. Oh my gosh, my heart would melt if it called me daddy. If she only knew if she called me daddy, she could have whatever she wants. She'd, have a, she'd get that Lexus tomorrow if she just called me daddy. <laughs> Abby, that's not true. Abby's my high schooler. Don't even say daddy to me tonight. It ain't coming tomorrow, okay? It was real and it was intimate. And there was a point where we're going, and, and, and she's going to call me dad, and I'm going to call her, and, and Jackie and I knew. We knew that if it was a boy, we're gonna, we had a battle over Jack or Ethan, and, and, and I wanted Ethan, and she wanted Jack, and she's going, you, Jackie says, you can't call him Ethan. That's Ethan Stevens, and it sounds like even Stevens, and that's dumb. So you can't call him Ethan Stevens. Plus, there's two syllables in Ethan and two syllables in Stevens, and you can't do two-syllable first name, two-syllable last name. That's, that's wrong to do that. So... Watch, some of you guys are going, oh, that's my name. That's all right, that's all right. It was just back in 95 that that was a rule, okay? Uh, but, but, you know, so, so, but if it's a girl, we knew her name would be Ella. She was named after my great-grandma, Ella Grace Kelly, the, most pr- the prettiest name I've ever heard. And she was, I knew my great-grandma all the way through high school. And so we, were named her, we wanted to name her Ella, and we wanted to name her middle name Christine because Jackie's sister, Chris, was the one that helped Jackie kind of lead her to this journey with Jesus. And so we just said, we really want her name, Ella Christine. And so I'm sitting there holding this baby, and I'm looking at it, I'm going, this baby is going to be calling me dad, and I'm going to be calling her L, and, and we're going to be saying that to each other for the rest of our lives together. And there's something that's so deeply intimate in that moment when it was real and it was intimate. And that changed this story for me, because in this story, as, as you kind of just hear it from a distance, when you start really putting yourself there and you start going, wait a minute, this was God bringing us his son. And for the first time for many people, things became real in an instant. Oh, it was real from the very beginning of time with God. But for many people, they needed something tangible. They needed something that they could hold on to. They needed to be able to walk in the same footsteps. They needed somebody that they knew would feel the feelings that they feel. And they needed somebody that they knew would would have experienced the things that they're experiencing. They needed something that they could hold on to. And now here comes real. God in the flesh. Jesus born. So it was real. But it was also intimate. Even the setting was intimate. The, the, the manger scene and the, and the shepherds and how simple it all was. It was real and it was intimate. It's interesting in this story because the part of the story that I like the most now is a part that I disliked the most for such a long time. The part that I disliked the most was the shepherds and the angels. I didn't like the shepherds and the angels part because, because I, I couldn't picture it. 
How do you picture a heavenly host of angels appearing to the shepherds, singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests? How do you picture that? Have you seen that? If I have you raise your hands and say, how many of you have seen the heavenly host of angels singing songs? Don't raise your hands because, I, I, I mean, I would question your sanity. I, I just don't know how many of us have ever seen that. It's hard to even picture it. But when you start putting real and intimate into it, when you start thinking about God, the he our Heavenly Father, and His Son, Jesus, being born, you start thinking, man, this is about a God that is bursting. This is about a dad that is bursting at the seams going, oh my gosh, my son is finally here. There's a, there's a passage in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 4, that Paul writes that he says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son. That means that God's been waiting for this since the beginning of time. And he knew exactly when the right time was going to be. And he said at the set time, God was going to come. That here it comes right now. His son, it was sent at this time. And a father is responding to his son coming into this world. And he knows what that's going to mean for all of the people that he's created. And he's fired up about that. We see God burst every once in a while at the seams of excitement. We saw it when Jesus was baptized. And we hear they, all the people around Jesus being baptized heard a voice say, This is my son who I love and who I'm well pleased and that's God just going, oh gosh, did I just say that? I just said that to everybody. That's my son. And then he said it again when Jesus was with a couple of the disciples right before he was going to have to start explaining why he was going to have to go to the cross for all of us. And he said, this is my son for whom I love. Listen to him. God is, God is just going, man, you guys got to know that point. Jesus is going to the cross. We're going to need to understand that point, Jesus starting his ministry, this is powerful. This point, Jesus coming into this world, this is powerful. This is a moment where it all became real and it became intimate. And the, and the angels are singing glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace on whom his favor rests because he's letting his angels sing for him. Do you realize what's happening? And then he, we say, well, now we got to name him. We've got to name this baby that's, that's just been born to Mary in this, in this manger. We've got we to name the baby. We can go back 400 years to a prophet named Isaiah on the name for Jesus. It says this. It says in Isaiah chapter 7, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, I, there's, a, there's a pastor in Southern California, a guy named Erwin McManus, that, that talks about this from the perspective as a, of a writer, because he's a pastor and a writer. And he says, when you're writing, he says, you want to finish every sentence with something powerful that leads you to the next sentence, or that leads you to the next chapter, that tells you, I want to know more. And so you want to you continue that, you want that sentence to end with something that hooks you to the next sentence. And he says, what's weird as a writer is you read this and you wish there was a period that son, where it says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. That would be a powerful statement. That would be a powerful sentence. That would be one that you'd go, see, a virgin conceives and gives birth to a son. But he points out that is just the means that God is using. That's just the means. He's, he'll do miracles all over the place. That's just the means. He's, we get so caught up in that part that we miss that the powerful part 
about this gift that God's given us is the end of this sentence. And his name, we will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That no longer is it God out there, now it's God right here. How many of us still refer to God as God up there? I got to pray up there to God. He's not up there. He's right here. Emmanuel, God with us. Do we let that sink in? But then we keep going. Two chapters later, Isaiah 9 says this, For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And this is where it gets confusing. And he will be called. Not Emmanuel, he'd be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, what are we supposed to call him? Emmanuel or Wonderful Counselor? This is my son, Wonderful Counselor. It's an odd name, but that's his, that's his name, Wonderful Counselor. What are we supposed to call him? 400 years later, Mary and Joseph make it even harder for us. Because 400 years later, Mary and Joseph have this baby in this little cave and they lay him in this little trough, and they name him Jesus, which is an interesting thing on its own. Jesus, the name Jesus was a very ordinary name and a very extraordinary name. It was a very ordinary name. Lots of people were named Jesus. It was an ordinary name. It's like, shoot, when I was born, you know, it was, my older brother was Mike, and it was John, and it was Bill, and it was Tom. My parents had no creativity whatsoever. It was four names that were at the top of the list back then of the most popular names. Jesus was a very ordinary name, but it was also a very extraordinary name because Jesus meant God saves in Hebrew. God saves. Emmanuel, mighty God, God saves. Is this a one massive contradiction? What are we supposed to do with that? I love what Ur McManus says about this. He says this, and this is, this is stuck with me. He says, every name that God gives us for himself is actually about us and our need for him. Every name that God gives us for himself is actually about us and our need for him. God knows that there's no way to encompass the totality of this gift that he's giving us. There is no way to encompass the depth of what God is bringing to this earth. There's no way that you can say it in one word. And so he's going to give us these words that are real. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. God with us. These real words and these intimate words. It was meant to be intimate. Jesus, it was meant to be intimate for us. And God knew that the more we got to know this this person, the more this relationship grew, the more these words became even stronger in our lives. God knew that. I mean, think about it for our own family and our own friends and the people that we are close to. When I think of my kids, I think, okay, Ella, you know, Ella, when she was a little girl, was my little girl. I called her that, my little girl. And even to this day, I still call her my little girl. In fact, when she gets married someday, we already have our first dance song picked out. It's going to be Tim McGraw's My Little Girl. It's, that's, our, that's our song that we're going to dance to. And it's cheesy, I know, but that's, Jack, that's Ella and I. That's, she's my little girl. Jack is my bud. I've called him my bud since he was a little kid, and he is my bud. Maggie is my princess, and Abby is my littlest girl. And, and, and when I call him Abs and Mags and, and Jack and Bud and Elle and Law and all the things that we call him, all of those things are part of our relationship growing closer and closer. 
And it's becoming more and more intimate and more and more real. And when they call me dad, it becomes more and more intimate and more and more real as, we cont- as our relationship continues to grow. When they call me, when Ella calls me up from college and she says, hey dad, I know from the tone of voice she just wants to talk to her dad. She's just having one of those moments as a college student where she just needs to talk to her dad. And I know that. And so I'm just, it's like, all right, let's just, let's just chat for a while. I got a call once from Maggie in high, when she was in high school. I got a call from her and she goes, hey, dad. And she gave that high-pitched dad. Come on, you, all you dads, you know that high-pitched dad means something's going, what, what, what? And you know, and the first, you want to say, what? And instead you go, what, hon? What are you, what, what's happening? She says, she said, I'm on my way. I'm on Vail right now on our school bus, and I'm on my way to Glenwood Springs, and I forgot my choir dress. And we're in, all the choir is in this bus, and we have a choir concert in Glenwood Springs, and I don't have my choir dress. And I knew, I knew she's going, fix this for me. And I, and I, you know what? I said, hey, where's it at? She said, it's in my closet. And I said, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll meet you at the, at the hot springs. I'll be there. And so I went home, got the choir dress, got some snacks at the store, and I just drove, drove across the state. And I can tell you this, you guys, almost every time I would ever do something like this, I'd be going, Maggie, what were you thinking? But not this time. This time I just wanted her to know I will go to the very lengths for her. I will go to the other side of the state for her. And so I drove to the other side of the state and I handed her her dress in five minutes and drove back to, <laughs> drove back to, to, to Superior to here. But I did do one thing. I have to tell you this. As I'm driving, I'm thinking, how is she going to pay me back? Because <laughs> you, know? you guys, you guys, it's un- God can give the unconditional love. Ours is more conditional, okay? So... She owes me something for this, okay? So I'm sitting there thinking, what could she, how could she pay me back? And I came up with something that you dads need to do with your daughters, okay? I did this. I, I got to her and I said, I said, Maggie, here's your dress. Here's what I want you to do. I deserve a kiss on the cheek anytime I ask for it at any time I want for the next year, for one full year. And she's like, all right, I guess so. You know, so I said, no, it means even if your friends are around, it means right after a choir concert, it means, it means whenever. And so when she comes home, when she came home from school that year and she's saying, and, and I ask her, how was your day? And she gives the high school answer that every high schooler gives. Fine. That's it. You know, I say, hey, give me a kiss on the cheek. All right. She gives me a kiss on the cheek. It was awesome. One year. Because they stopped doing that, you guys. They stopped. I know you, 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 the ones that you guys have younger kids, you think, no, nah, not our kids. No, they do. They'll stop giving you a kiss on the cheek. I, I, she did it for one full year. Do that, okay, dads? You guys, seriously. It's the more, the longer we go, the more intimate the relationship. The longer we go, the more real the relationship. It's real. And we're getting closer and closer. Now, let's go back to this gift. You guys, I've got this Tuesday Frumsy right here. I call it a Tuesday Frumsy because that's what my family calls it. I realized when I said that once that no other family calls it a Tuesday Frumsy. <laughs> I honestly thought that's what they were called. And then like two years ago, someone told me, no, they're called like tags. I think that's what you guys call them. <laughs> they're really called Tuesday Frumsies. It's in Revelation. Read it. Okay, Tuesday Frumsy. <laughs> If that Tuesday Frumsy says, come on, if that tag says to Bill from a distant God, 
If you're looking at God and saying from a distant God, then that package will never be more than a pair of socks. If you, if you see that it's, it's too bill and it's from an aloof God or an uncaring God or a disappointing God, then that will be, no, be nothing more than a pair of underwear that you just open up. If you, open the, if you see this tag and it says to Bill from a demanding God, from a God that just says give more, do more, go to church more often, get, give more when you go, serve more. If that's all you see, if you see, if this is a to from, to Bill from religious God, which by the way, Jesus could not stand that word. If you, if you see it to Bill from religious God, this will never be more than first down. This will never be more than a footnote on Christmas Eve that you check the box to go to and then you head on to whatever is better. But if you see this from a, the creator of the universe that loves you so much to give you this great gift, if you see it from that God, if you see it from this is from God, to you. If you see it as a God that knows exactly what we need, if you see it as a God that knows where our longings are, then you might be more intrigued to actually open it. And what you will find when you open it is God knew your needs, that God knew it, and he said, you know what? There's going to be times where you're going to need Emmanuel. You're going to need a gift from God that is Emmanuel, that is just God with us. That your, your marriage will be on the, just off the rails and you wonder how, how do we get this far out and you're lonely in that and you need just God to be with you. You're a college student that went off to college and you're laying your head on at your pillow at night and you're just going, why am I so stinking alone? And you're just going, I just need God with me. And God knows that. And he's going, you know what? This gift I'm giving you is Emmanuel. God with us. This gift I'm giving you is a wonderful counselor. There's going to be times you're going to go, I've asked uh, 10 different people and I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go next and you need a wonderful counselor. There's going to be times when you're going to need a mighty God. You're just not going to need a God. You're going to need a mighty God that you've reached out as far as you can go and you've got no more strength it's far beyond anything you can do. Do you know how many times Jim and I have had to pray to a mighty God when it came to this church? Four years ago when we got this thing started, we're just going, we got to pray to a mighty God that can do things far beyond anything that I can do by myself. See, God knows that. He knows that you will need Emmanuel. He knows that you will need a wonderful counselor. He knows that you will need a mighty God. For some of you, he knows that you will need an everlasting father. Some of you have not had a great father figure in your life. Some of you have had a fantastic father in your life, but you've lost your dad. Maybe this is your first Christmas when you lost your dad. And you're going, I need an everlasting father. My dad is still alive and he, is, he has blessed my life. And you guys, every time I cry, my dad cries. We're both, we're both very emotional, both of us. I'll watch a Hallmark movie and just cry. Every time I cry, my dad will cry. When I laugh, my dad laughs. When I, something as awesome is happening in my life, my dad is celebrating that. You know how much he's celebrating from Washington, what's happening here at Ascent? 
My dad celebrates that. And when I'm grieving, my dad grieves with me. Some of you need an everlasting father that just says, I need someone to cry with me. I need someone to understand my grief. I need someone that will celebrate with me because nobody else knows or cares. I need, I need an everlasting father. And for some of you, you need a prince of peace. Some of you, you just need, you know what? The chaos is, is more than I can handle. And I need a prince of peace. I need, I need something, somebody that will just give me a peace that's beyond my understanding. And then we need Jesus. Some of us need ordinary Jesus, which is a weird thing to say. Some of us need Jesus that just says, no, don't call me Mr. Jesus. Don't call me Pastor Jesus or Reverend Jesus. Just call me Jesus. Don't go home and clean yourself up. Don't clean up your place. I've moved into the neighborhood. I'm just Jesus. Some of us need just Jesus to walk with us right now. And all of us need Savior Jesus. All of us need Jesus that saves. That saves us from ourselves saves us from our own sin, saves us from that separation from God. We need Savior Jesus that says, your deepest longing is love. I am love. Your deepest longing is time and more time. I'll give you eternal life. Your, your, one of your deepest longings is, is to not fear death. Well, I took care of that too. And I, so they put a plank on me and I walked up a hill to Calvary and I died on a cross, the death that you fear. And death doesn't win. And ultimately, I win. I take that death. And you don't have to fear that either. That's Jesus that saves. You guys, this whole thing is not socks. It's not first to him. It's not from a God that is distant. It is a, it's from a God that came near. It's from a God that looks at us and says, I know your greatest needs. I know you need Emmanuel. I know you need a wonderful counselor and a mighty God and an everlasting father and a prince of peace. I know you need Jesus. And he's saying, it's from me to you. And he's saying, will you open it? Will you open this gift? Because it's sitting there waiting for you to open. And you're going to find that it's going to meet every single bit of longing that you have in your life. Will you open the gift today? We hope you guys have a great Merry Christmas. We're gonna, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a couple of songs. We're going to light some candles and, and, and we're going to get to celebrate this. And afterwards, when it's all said and done and you guys are about to leave, I'll be up here. And if anybody wants to come up and talk to me and say, you know what, this is the first year, the first time that I'm, I'm tired of looking at this like it's just something I got to do. And instead, no, I want to know what that looks like to embrace this gift. Come up and talk to me about it. We can pray together. That could be the greatest, biggest decision you'll make this year. So you guys, open it. It's right there for us. Father, we pray. We pray that, that this year, this Christmas, right now, we pray that you would help us to recognize that, that, that this isn't about some religious thing that we got to do. This is about a relationship that only gets better. 
And we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to see how real it is and how intimate it is for every single one of us. And God, if there is somebody out there that just flat needs to spend some more time in that, I pray that they would. And they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be afraid to do that. Because I know, Lord, that you are offering this gift to every single one of us. Help us to unwrap it this year. It's in your name we pray. Amen.